0: You can also take Steve's courses on Udemy or Skillshare, and you can find out more about those at CNCcontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode.
1: Hello, you're listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with myself, Steve Worsley. And again, we have my wife, Cassandra. Yes. This has been, have you been in every episode this year?
0: In this new year so far, yes.
1: Okay. I I thought so, but I just wanted to make sure. Plus, you're going to do, we're going to do a, a, probably a three-part series of mycotoxins, so you're going to join us for that, right? I will, yep. Okay, I'm sure the listeners want to hear from the smart people, (laughs) which is not me, so...
0: (laughs) Which includes you, yes. Oh, okay.
1: Anyhow, today is episode 245. Wow, we're getting up there. We are. And uh, we just got through the first month of uh, the year. January was pretty chilly.
0: Oh, yeah, it was.
1: Anyhow, today's topic is something... That a lot of times I don't go into detail of just because mold mitigation companies do things differently. But today's topic is toxic mold mitigation by the pros. And I wanted to do this just so that for several reasons. I want people to understand and our listeners to understand what it takes to do professional remediation. And by the way, people call it mitigation, removal, remediation, whatever you call it. It's removing the mold. Um, But anyhow... I want them to know what it entails so that they don't hire a company that's just going to come in and fog and literally, you know, I don't want to say scam the people, but not do it properly. Okay. And uh, obviously, you know about remediation because...
0: I've witnessed it.
1: Yes. Yep. I can't quite get you to do... You used to help in the past, but now you don't even help us anymore. I know. Mold is not (laughs) healthy for anybody. No, it's not. But uh, anyhow, I just, I want our listeners to understand... Like I said, what it all entails. So if if I was to ask you like what's your idea of mold remediation, what would you say?
0: Well, we've had this mitigation versus remediation uh discussion before, and they're two different things, aren't they? Well mitigation. You're remediation, the issue, remediation means
1: remediation. you you um remove the the risk. And so the reason I always say mitigation is we mitigate the mold. You can't Technically, forever get rid of mold, if that makes sense. And so, and also to me, remediation means you fix the problem, meaning mitigate it, and then you put it back to where it was. We don't do that. So, full remediation is start to finish, and we only come in and remove mold. And that's why I usually re- refer to it as mitigation.
0: And so when somebody is looking to get their m- toxic mold issue handled, what should they be looking there for? Are they looking for mold mitigation or mold remediation? It,
1: to me, it's the same thing. Okay. I mean, it right. is to me. Because,
0: because mitigation to me means mitigate the issues, but that doesn't mean you've completely fixed all the root causes of the issues. Yeah. Whereas remediation to me means you fix the current toxic mold issues, you fix all the issues that caused it. Yep so that now they're almost starting from a clean slate exactly okay that's
1: why i i say i'm a mold mitigation contractor cuz that's all we do is the mold that's all we focus on or mycotoxins and yeah. mycotoxins in other
0: words if you if you have to open up a wall because there is toxic mold behind sheetrock you're not the one coming in to put the sheetrock sheetrock back up that right. would be remediation yep. okay exactly
1: and once again, uh, for for the the keyboard warriors out there, you can correct me if you want, but this is just how I view mitigation. We don't, even before the, the mitigation happens, which to me, it's just mold removal. But before that happens, that whatever caused the mold behind the wall needs to be addressed, whatever defect that was. And you know this, for the most part, CNC contractor services will not do mold removal until you have fixed the defect. Correct. When I say for the most part, it's just... It's a reputation issue, um, liability issue. We're not going to go in and, and do a bunch of work, charge you $10,000 so the next year you have the same problem.
0: Correct. Because if you need surgery and you put a band-aid over the wound, that's not going to change exactly. the fact that you need surgery.
1: Yeah, it's, it's literally like having the doctor in there. Let's just say it's a shoulder surgeon and you're doing uh, what they call a decompression. I know this because I've been unfortunate enough to have several shoulder surgeries. Anyhow, they're going in there and they're just, you know, cleaning up any any bone spurs or chips and debris. They get in there, they see your rotator cuff is just torn in half, which that would be pretty extreme. And he decides not to fix that. No, he's going to fix that while he's in there. So. Absolutely. But, but kind of backtracking a little bit, you know, when you ask what, you know, what are we looking or what is our listener looking for when they hire somebody, it's really important that they're certified and insured.
0: But are they looking for... I mean, is it better to have somebody who does the full deal remediation, or is it better to have somebody who does the mold mitigation?
1: Honestly, I don't think that I would not hire somebody because they only do the mold removal, and I don't think I would not hire somebody because they do all of it. Like, our competitors who... Are technically restoration companies. When I say competitors, our competitors are on the mold removal side of our company. We obviously do this podcast and mold testing, mycotoxin testing, mold inspections, consulting.
0: So then, what's the difference between mitigation, remediation, and restoration? So
1: restoration. Well, you're. This is why we have you on the podcast because you ask questions that I wouldn't think of. So once again, I'm not defining it. You know, by definition, a restoration company is a company like the Serve Pros, Paul Davis restoration. In Utah, there's a Utah Flood Guys, there's Floodsmen. There's there's all sorts of companies and they're restoration companies. Now the reason I classify those as rest of restoration companies, they're the ones that actually come in and work I shouldn't say work for the insurance company, but most of the stuff they're doing the insurance companies pay them for. So they come in and do the mop up, meaning let's just say you had a flooded basement. You don't call us. CNC contractor services doesn't come in and dry out the home. We've talked about this, I believe, in other episodes. I believe it's a conflict of interest if you're the one trying to dry it up. And then if you don't dry it up quick enough, if mold starts growing, colonizing, you have mold infestations. That same company, and this is my opinion, could have and should have prevented the mold infestation if they would have dried it out quick enough. Now, I'm not saying just because there's mold, your restoration company did it on purpose. But they're the restoration company, so they come in and do that mop-up. They they obviously, if it's a plumbing issue, they'll hire a plumber to come in, fix the defect that led to that. If it's a flooding issue, that's probably not going to be covered, so I'm not going to really go down that. And when I say flooding... Stuff that came in from the exterior. But anyhow, it's their job to dry up the property to make sure you don't have mold growth. Okay. So they come in and they'll put dehumidifiers in. They'll put air movers in. The really good companies have, they have setups where they can literally drill a hole between each stud. They do it down at the baseboard. They pop the baseboard off. They drill a hole. They literally, you know, have this... um, I don't even know what the term is, but it's a manifold that blows the air, and that's literally just a tiny tube that they put in each wall cavity, and it literally blows air in there to dry it out. Wow. They have stuff that they can put underneath hardwood. It's not underneath it, but to get underneath it, they put those carpet blowers, mm-hmm. like the fans we have. That's a restoration company. So
0: essentially, a restoration company cleans up and oftentimes mitigates mold.
1: Yes, They usually do both, They They
0: do both. But it can be a conflict of interest because if they're the ones cleaning it up, they almost have an interest in having mold colonized so they can also be the company that the person chooses to mitigate it. Correct.
1: And that's why I, I pride ourselves at CNC Contractor Services that we do not come in until there's a mold problem. And we only come in and remove the mold. Now, is it more convenient for our listeners and a homeowner to have one company come in and do everything? Probably. But on the other hand, there are those risks involved.
0: Absolutely. So, okay. So, then, so when the pros are doing whether it is mold mitigation, remediation, removal, restoration, what are the crucial steps to getting rid of mold?
1: Okay. So, what I'll do, and this is for me, this is the easiest way to explain it. So, for our listeners, let's say on their main level, you have a mold infestation in the bathroom. The first thing you have to do and should do is put a containment up. So I'll just speak to our home itself. So let's just say it's in that first bathroom. It's only a half bath, just a toilet and a sink. We would put a containment up that separates in the hallway. You can go down the hallway to the kitchen. We would put a wall up there, Mm -hmm. okay? And then as you come in our front door, you can go up the stairs. So we would put a containment wall in there. So we literally would just corner off from the front door to the bathroom. Luckily for us and for the mitigation company, the bathroom's literally right there. We put a containment up so that we have a safe area between the front door, which is obviously outside, and where our project is. That way we don't spread any mold spores to any other areas in the home. The containment is very, very important. That's probably one of the things, if you don't do a containment and it's in a home, you know, that, let me backpedal a little bit. Some of our work is in foreclosed homes or empty properties. So depending on if there's mold everywhere, we don't have to put a containment up because it's everywhere. Yeah. Does that make sense? That makes sense. So for our listeners, you know, if if you have mold in 60% of the home, you might only just put plastic over the door, you know, the door for, let's say, your kid's bedroom that there's no mold in. Does that make sense? That does make sense. So... Just so our under- listeners understand, there's a big difference between, you know, us treating and, and mitigating a whole home versus one little bathroom.
0: Well, and I can hear somebody thinking, oh, I can go YouTube how to put up a containment and I could do the mold myself. I don't have to pay somebody thousands of dollars to do it. What do you say to that?
1: Well, it's part of what we do as a mitigation company, so I wouldn't do it. But I showed you, I just showed you a video last night. Someone that, that that I follow, they they posted a picture or a video and it was beautiful remember.
0: So can somebody just go on YouTube and learn how to put up their own containment? Of course they can. They would it, shouldn't. Would it be done well?
1: I don't think so. Exactly. They probably, like what I showed you, they put, you know, they, it was a kitchen and it looked beautiful. They used the proper tape. This is how crazy it sounds. If our listeners thought they could go do it themselves and they used the wrong tape. All the tape would peel the paint off of the wall if you got the wrong tape. Wow. I mean, just something as simple so even as Even down ta- to
0: the tape, that's yep. how precise you have to be in your containment. Yes. And it, I wouldn't
1: say it's precise as far as tape, but you want tape that's not going to peel the paint back. Yeah. We use, at a minimum, six mil plastic. That's pretty thick plastic. Some of our jobs require a reinforced plastic, which is even more expensive. So the containment is crucial. And... In that containment, going back to let's say it's in that bathroom, one of the things that a lot of people miss is, as far as even professionals, they don't put plastic over the HVAC register.
0: Oh, because then that's going to spread mold spores throughout the house.
1: Exactly. So your containment is crucial. Let's say that the mold is on the wall behind the toilet. They're going to have to remove the toilet. The mold that's on the wall, you don't just go clean it with chemicals. You have to remove the mold. That's very important for And, mold and you have to
0: chase the mold.
1: Correct. We Find do, out where
0: it's coming from.
1: Yep. We do what's called a flood cut. Our standards state that you should be two feet past water damage. So we literally start with a two-foot flood cut. Uh, if there's any mold on it that has to go up higher, we go up another foot. But we literally go two feet past everything. We cut it all out. We bag it. We tie up our bags, we remove it, take it out, and throw it wherever we're going to throw it away. Okay. So that's an important part. Now, as far as what else they need, you should have negative air, which is done with air scrubbers. So you have negative air inside the containment so that we're keeping all the air inside that containment. So
0: air scrubbers running.
1: Yep. And then at nighttime, we run an ozone machine. Uh We have a HEPA vacuum. Everything's HEPA vacuumed. There's just, there's a lot of steps like that. But for our listeners, the thing you want to ask your potential contractor, what type of containment do you install? Uh What type of plastic? How many air scrubbers do you run? Do you have a true HEPA vacuum, commercial HEPA vacuum? Um, Do you have an ozone machine? Do you use ozone? If they, if they say, no, we don't use ozone, that's not, that's not a deal breaker to me. Because ozone machines are controversial. Now, when it comes to mycotoxins, which we're going to talk about for the next three weeks after this, ozone machine is very important.
0: Okay. So then ozone is probably pretty important. It is. Yeah. Um, Even if it's controversial.
1: Yep. Exactly. Because in my opinion, and, and we'll talk about it when we, we talk about mycotoxins, the whole house is probably, when I say contaminated, there could be mycotoxins throughout the entire home. Does that mean you have to go in and cut flood cuts in every room? No, but it very, it's very likely that you might have to do a deep clean because of the mycotoxins.
0: Absolutely. So, so you're asking all of these questions and to at least vet and make sure that whoever you're considering doing the work actually knows what they're doing and has the equipment to do what needs to be done.
1: Exactly. That's what's really important is, is You know, I've dealt with a lot of people that they claim that they do uh, mold removal to IICRC S520 standards. And for our listeners, that's pretty much the only mold mitigation standards or remediation standards out there that I'm aware of. Now, I'm not a member of IICRC. I don't have to be a member to, to do mold to their standards. I have a copy of their standards. I know what their standards are. But it is important for our listeners to ask the potential contractor, "Do you?" or or just ask, "What standards do you perform to?" And if they can't even say IICRC S five twenty, or if they ask them about that and the contractor doesn't know, you you have the wrong contractor. And to to just kind of uh, go a little further than that, they don't have to be IICRC certified. We're I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm certified, but not through IICRC.
0: But they have to at least adhere to the standards exactly. of IICRC yep. is what you're saying.
1: And and the only reason why is, is you know, and, and I know some of the professionals listen to us, but they can reach out and let me know. But I'm pretty sure IICRC is the only organization that has standards that are to what I believe they should be for mold removal. Does sure. that make sense?
0: Absolutely. So, literally, that gives everybody solid criteria to really assess before they hire somebody to take care of their mold. What about post remediation verification testing?
1: So, it's a lot of us will just say PRV testing. Um, That is testing that should be done after mitigation has been done. The reason we do that is because of our standards. Um, In some states, you have to have a third party company. Do that testing. We've already talked about this. As far as CNC contractor services, we do our own testing. Of course, a lot of people are like, "Wow, so you do your own testing." Well, how do we know you did it properly? Well, if you don't trust us to do the mitigation, you shouldn't trust us to do the testing either. Now, some states require third party, other states don't. In my opinion, though, here's why I don't think it's a problem at the end of the day, and we're going to talk about this in the next few weeks, that air testing that we're doing doesn't really tell us much we're literally running air test inside of a containment that containment is going to be very very clean absolutely and on top of that air samples do not give you a overall picture of the air quality of the entire home and you know so for our listeners are like well then what would you do like if we really wanted to make sure or they want to make sure that that the home is safe they literally should do air testing Tape lifts. They should be doing PCR testing, which is the DNA based. That's what Ermi and Hertzme are. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't recommend Ermi. I would recommend the Emma testing, and okay. we'll talk about that next week. But for our listeners, Emma means environmental mold and mycotoxin assessment. Okay. And so what it does is it it, it reports the DNA, and then it reports the mycotoxins. That's a dust sample. But if you do all of those tests, then you get a good idea of what the air quality in the home is. So that's not in our standards, though. The yeah. only thing in our standards is we're supposed to run an air tests, which, Absolutely. like I said, is not. I don't think it's comprehensive enough or accurate enough.
0: So then given everything that you just shared, I mean, the things that somebody should be looking for, the differences between mold mitigation, remediation and restoration, PRV testing, what's your call to action for people?
1: So I talked about it just a little bit earlier. Make sure that they perform mitigation at least to the IICRC S520 standards. And and if they don't, you can just ask them like like I don't give our clients a full list of everything we do for me- remediation. But I can tell them we do we do everything to the S520 standards, and I think we go above them. But that's what they've, our listeners got to make sure, is make sure they're doing it to those standards. Having an IICRC certification doesn't mean squat, unless they're going to follow the standards.
0: There you have it.
1: Perfect. Cassandra's been pushing me for a long time to get our YouTube channel going, and it's not going very quick, is it? <laughs> it's
0: taking a long time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work, but... We do have a channel. um, It's called Toxic Mold Prevention. And I can put, is it called The Handle or what do I call?
0: I think it's called The Handle, but we'll put a link in the comments.
1: Yeah. So we're going to start doing more videos. Make sure you start following us on YouTube. Watch our videos. We'll have a lot of informational videos, educational. And then also YouTube just started uh, uh, like a podcast division.
0: Yes. So go to the YouTube channel, like, follow, subscribe.
1: Perfect. I appreciate all of you for listening. Today was episode 245. Have a wonderful
0: day.